Henry Dossie, Simon G., and many more. All this plus a stunning showroom, unbeatable warranties and guarantees, a no-holes-barred diamond education, no commission salespeople, and free service for life on any purchase. Genesis Diamonds, a true game-changer in jewelry shopping. Now open in Poplar Commons. Genesis Diamonds, official jeweler of the Tennessee Titans. Guests appear on the Smile Center Hotline. Now back to the Gabe Kuhn Show, live from the Service Master by Cornerstone Studios on 92.9 FM ESPN. Senior writer and content creator for Bluff City Media on Twitter at CFowlerBCM on X at CFowlerBCM. We've officially made the switch. I, I have to get used to it. I have to get used to it. There's no doubt about it, but we also have a podcast together, Christian and I. It's called On the Bluff Pod. Wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you can go to YouTube, Bluff City Media YouTube channel and check out the full length video there as well. Christian, how are we doing? Doing wonderful. How are you doing? I am. Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. Got a bachelor party right. weekend on the way for the week. Yep. For uh, starting on Friday, so uh, have to deal with that. That'll be fun yep. though. You're, you 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 told me last night on the pod that you're you're offended. You're offended yep. you didn't get the invite, but you're headed to a bachelor party in St. Louis in my my hometown. Yeah. Yeah. So you wouldn't and- have been able to come anyway. In honor of you, pretty much. But oh, no, right, it, right. In honor of me. No, we 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 worked through it last night on the podcast. I feel like we had some good some good back and forth and came to a, a good understanding of each other on did, this on this topic. Did, did we actually? I mean, I feel like you're. I feel like there's a little bit of uh, bad blood there. I feel like you're holding it. No, against no, me. no, no, not at all. We 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 kind of we hashed it out on there. We said what we had to say, and I told you that you would be invited on mine. Okay. Well, next time the Tigers go to the Dominican, maybe we can make that trip, stay at a resort, yeah. that type of thing. How about that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Everything on you. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> they All they have is all-inclusives. That's a lot all-in. That's hey, a lot all-in. I'm just saying, if, if you offer, I won't turn it down. Okay. I got gotcha. you. So, uh, but but speaking of which, what, what, what I mean, <laughs> I, we're not going to be able to see any of these games streamed. Uh, there's going to be no live stats as opposed to what uh, the Bahamas trip was a couple of years ago. Like, what what do you expect out of this Dominican trip? I know there's a lot of people that are excited about it. You and I, a little less so. It's more about camaraderie. It's more about bringing that team together and whoever's going to be on it at this moment. Um, Obviously, David Jones maybe with the select team for the Dominican Republic. There's going to be some other guys missing. Um, You know, people are going to be wondering – how these games go, who steps up, how many points are scored, yada, yada, yada. But I think it's less about that than uh, bringing that team together early in this offseason. I couldn't agree more. I think the team building and bonding and camaraderie and however you want to phrase it is a million times more important than whatever happens on the floor. And some people may think that that's overblown and out of proportion, and I know Memphis fans are very excited for this team, and they wish that they could see this streamed and have live sets and keep up better with it, and I totally understand that. But at the same time, when you peel back the layers on it and look at this team, like they have not played together before. There is one player that is coming back from last year's team onto this team. And some of these guys know each other. Basketball is a very different culture from any other sport just because of AAU and the amount of travel that you do uh, in high school playing each other. Like all these guys have probably either played against each other or heard of each other 
Uh, Javon Quinterly and Jordan Brown were McDonald's All-Americans together, both five stars. So, like, there is familiarity between them, but as far as playing together on the floor, there's none of that. So, yes, that part of it on the floor is important, but I I would argue even more so just them getting closer and and knowing each other and kind of getting an understanding of where people have come from and and who they are and just growing together as a team. And I I feel like this trip, uh, obviously they left this morning, Last game is on Sunday, so that gives them nearly a week to be away from the facility um, and just to to be together. Like this will be the first time Jevin Young's with the team, Jordan Brown's yep. barely with, been with the team, Jaquan Walton just got here, Javon Quinterly just got here. So uh, it, it is a perfect opportunity for them to kind of get away, get together, and get to know each other. And I think that's at the end of the day, that's going to be more important than the product that they put on the floor. Yeah, get out on the beach and enjoy each other's company. How about that? Yeah, we're resort living. We're resort living for a week. Enjoy each other. Enjoy each other. Try to come together. Now, you mentioned that none of these guys have played together before, and I talked with David Cobb last week about this, and he says, "Okay, this roster's top twenty-five ish. Top twenty-five ish. I think this roster's at least top fifteen, um, but they haven't played together. There's not a lot of continuity. How much do you think when we talk about polls, preseason polls? How much should they be docked for that particular?" Uh, sort of uh, detail there. The fact that they have not played together and there's going to be, you know, one or two holdovers from last year's team. I mean, if this was 2019, the 2019 roster and you asked me that question, I'd say they should be docked a lot for that. Not because only they haven't played together, but also because they're so young. But I, I feel a lot more encouraged with it being an older team, a more veteran experienced team, um, and, and then them coming together in that sense. Uh, I mean, I'm keep referencing Javon Quinterly, but, like, JQ played with a really young team and a, and a fairly new team last year at Alabama. I mean, Brandon Miller, Noah Clowney, Noah Gurley, Jaden Bradley. A lot of the freshmen that they brought in played a lot of heavy minutes. And so uh, that's just one example. I mean, there's other players on this team that have played with newer rosters. So they bring those experiences and in cases that they've done that before and, and bring that adaptability into this year. And I think with them being guys that have played three, four, five years in college, it's going to be a lot quicker than if this was a lot of freshmen not only getting used to each other but getting used to the collegiate game as well. So I think the experience helps them out a lot when it comes to gelling and chemistry. So we, I think we counted up if DeAndre Williams comes back, it's about 25 years' worth of experience at the college basketball level. Yeah. Um, I, but with that – I feel like there's like because you talked with Jaquan Walton and Javon Quinterly last week, and anybody who wants to go seize those interviews, they're at Bluff City Media on the YouTube channel. But it feels like there's this singular focus. Uh, Javon Quinterly says, "I've been to a Sweet 16. I want to get past that." It feels like there is a focus on, okay, during tournament time, we need to make a run that that Memphis hasn't seen in a while. One hundred percent. What else? I don't. I don't say this negatively. I know some people could could take this negatively, but what what else is there? You know, like, these guys that have played five, six, if DeAndre Williams comes back, like, he's not playing for NBA scouts. I, I'm mm-hmm. not saying that, that some of these guys couldn't go play in the NBA, but they're not playing to be lottery picks and first-round picks. They're not playing for stats. Like, at, at this point in your career, and once again, I'm not saying that you can't ha- go have a professional career, even an NBA career, um, and break through somehow. I never say never in sports because it can happen. And if you say, if you say never, you'll be proven wrong. Um, but I, I just feel like at this point in your career, it's about legacy. It's about winning. It's about you know going out and trying to win every game that you can and make it as far in the tournament as you can. And it feels like 
that's that's got to be a collective goal for this team because because of the age and not in a negative sense. So many people now, when when you talk about age, they get eh, Memphis fans. They do not like when you talk about age, but talking about it positively, like it's a good thing. I'd much rather have a team with twenty five years of collegiate experience than three between a starting five. And, um, but, but like with that focus, and we we've talked about okay, it's a good problem to have all this talent. That, that really do, they've put up a lot of shots. We have a lot of 10-point-per-game scores, a lot of guys that put up 10-plus uh, field goal attempts per game. With that type of focus, like, does it, does it, I mean, does that take away, at least nullify to a certain extent, the worry of, okay, what's the hierarchy pecking order going to look like? To me, yes, because I don't think, as I'm saying, I don't think dudes are jockeying for that first-round type hype or lottery hype. I think they're they're playing for each other. I think they're playing to win. And when you do that, when you play to win, when you have a coaching staff that understand understands matchups and who is going to be able to get theirs tonight, who has a plus matchup, these are the guys that we need to go to tonight. I don't think you'll have a lot of issues with players on this team trying to go be the guy in a situation where they probably shouldn't try to be the guy, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I, I think overall, like you – you don't have to have an alpha on this team because I think they're going to be selfless enough to understand matchups and understand uh, players that have opportunities on any given night, and those are the players that are going to get the ball the most and have the most opportunities at scoring. I mean, I could be dead wrong, but I, I feel pretty confident in the fact that this is going to be a selfless team that understands who needs the ball on which night and, and against which opponent. What, what kind of ceiling do you think we're looking at for this team, like truthfully? What, what kind of ceiling? I really don't know. I, yeah. I really don't know. I think it's high. I, I think it's absolutely high. I think they could they be a you know a second, third weekend team in the NCAA tournament. And, and if we're talking about the team as it stands without DeAndre Williams, I, I still think they could be around a 32 Sweet 16 team. Like I think they're a top 25 team in the country. Mm-hmm. I, I genuinely do without DeAndre Williams. With DeAndre Williams, who knows? I mean, the sky's the limit in my opinion because I think they're a top. 12 to 15 team at worst. So, I mean, you can't tell me that every top 12 to 15 team in the country doesn't at least have a, a small percent chance to win a national championship any given year. Yeah, now they they left at 3 a.m. today, so hopefully they get some rest before they play the Dominican national team tomorrow. But while they're playing the Dominican national team, we're going to have day one of Tiger football fall camp. I, I, I'm just going to put it this way and put it very, very simple. Um what are you expecting to see early in camp? Like, what what needs to be understood quickly um, for, for this team to sort of be uh, clicking on all cylinders by the time? Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get to uh, game one. I think the defense needs to be ahead. I mean, that's always the case in, in, in fall camp is the defense is usually ahead. Um, and so seeing that defense ahead, I think, is a good sign because we expect them to be good. We expect them to be improved. Uh, I think they improved at all three levels over the offseason. So if they come out hot on fire, then I feel really good about it because the offense always catches up. You know this. I mean, you mm-hmm. went through 
multiple fall camps. Like the defense is always going to start out ahead, and it really, uh, it really doesn't matter how good the offense is. Now I've seen situations. I mean, when Memphis had uh, Daryl Henderson and Patrick Taylor and Tony Pollard, and they you can't stop those guys regardless of what time of year it is. But just overall, we know defenses start ahead of offense, and if this defense is going to take a step and they're going to live up to the expectations that especially people here locally in the city have, and they need to start out hot and these guys that are transfers that are coming in that are expected to play a lot of football this year, they need to step up early. And then the obvious is the playmakers. And we've talked about it a lot, you know, on the podcast and on here is like, you want to see guys step up. Uh, we saw some guys step up in the spring and now that has to continue. Like those guys continue to have to, uh, or have to continue to show that they're going to be able to step up throughout the season and make big plays and, and help carry this offense throughout the year. I know there's a lot of unknown, and you bring up the playmakers, but like when we talk about the offense, Seth Hennigan is the least unknown. We know that, and he's on the Maxwell Award watch list for that reason, ultimately. Um, but like, isn't the offensive line sort of the, the, the biggest question of can they get this damn running game go, going? Because Ryan likes to run the ball. Uh, Tim Cramsey, they seem to try to force it at times, the past, or at least last year, and really the past couple of years they tried to sort of force the run game. Isn't that the biggest point of, okay, if this group is good, you feel good about this offense heading into next year? Yeah, it's the engine. It's the engine, and it's going to make everything open up if they, if they can run the ball. I, I don't want to say all the struggles have been because of the offensive line, but I would put a heavy percentage of struggles offensively over the last couple of years on the offensive line because teams have really been able to kind of just pin it back and, and know that they can make this team one-dimensional if they right. shut down the run, which was seemingly fairly common over the last couple of years. So didn't seem that hard they, to shut down the run. No, it didn't at all. <laughs> and so if, if they can establish that up front, if they can run the ball, if they can mix up the running game, which I would be absolutely shocked if we don't see a little bit more dynamic running game just as yeah. far as switch play up calling. the schemes, right? Yes, yeah, switch up the schemes, run different things, uh, try to get different looks. And, and I get the reason that they haven't in the past couple of years. If you can't do the basic stuff, then how, how can you start to expand on it? But with some of the guys that they brought in, some of the talent that they have, like I just, it's hard for me to see a season in which we don't see that run game mixed up a little bit. And if they are able to run the ball, if they are able to protect, which Oddly enough, they've been much better at protecting the passer than run blocking. Um, but if they're able to do those things, it makes life for guys like Towski Dove and Demir Buncombe and Blake Watson and Sutton Smith. It's going to make everybody look better. Obviously, Seth Hennigan as well. But like, if you can block, if you can control the line of scrimmage, then your offense is probably going to excel. Let me ask you this though, because this is a completely different question on that front. Like, what's your confidence level? They're actually going to get that done. I, I, I have talked to Ryan, and Ryan has said, you know, he's going to get more involved in that room, like he was previously before he was the head coach. Um, and and Jeff Meyer seems like a better uh, sort of cultural fit for him um, than 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 the previous regime with Jim Bridge. Like, it feels as if Ryan is more comfortable this year. Uh, with with the situation he has in that room and and actually getting that run game going, yeah, I would go confidence scale one to ten. I would I would put mine personally at a seven, just because I believe with okay the guys that they have coming back. I mean, we saw Jacob Likes be very successful. Uh, we've sent, we've seen Jonah Gamble have his ups and downs, but you know if he sold out to to being a starter and being a part of this offensive line in a big way. Uh, then we can see improvements there. And then when you add in 
uh, Xavier Hill and Marcus Henderson. Um, and you have guys that literally Xavier Hill was competing for a starting job at LSU last spring. Mm-hmm. So, so there's no way that he's not an upgrade. And, and Marcus Henderson is massive and was, you know, a high level recruit coming out of high school and, you know, was in the mix at Arkansas. And, and so I just don't see it being even or worse than it was last year. They, I, I just, I, and McKaylin Pounders as that's well. What I was McKaylin say. Pounders is, is someone that, that I'm excited about because, you know, I watched him. Uh, over the past couple of years and just saw a lot of growth during bowl practices last year. Uh, we went out there last year for bowl practices, and he, he just looked like a different player. And a lot of players do make a jump, especially young players, make a jump in those bowl practices and those spring practices before you get to fall camp. And he just looked like he had a better understanding and feel of the position and of the game overall. Um, Terrence McClain, another guy. Like, they have pieces. They have guys that can be successful, and if they're able to put it together – um, and those guys are able to excel. I feel good about it. I'm not going to say I feel 100% that it's going to be successful, but like I said, 1 to 10, I'd say I feel about a 7 confidence yeah. level on well, it right now. McKylan Pounders is a, is a strange situation because last year we're talking about a redshirt freshman that was thrust into the left tackle position even against Mississippi State, right? Like right. they had trust in this guy. What like it's hard for me to nab down what went wrong. I know he had some sort of, you know, nicks and bruises along the way, but, I mean, ultimately he got replaced and had some struggles last year. He's going to have to grow. I feel like that's going to be one of the biggest points of, of contention, like points that, that, that is going to have to improve for this whole line to get to where they need to go. Absolutely. And, you know, it's the hardest position to play on the offensive line, arguably. Left tackle probably. Center can be thrown in there as well, like, but left tackle is like the premier position on the offensive line. You're the blind side protector. Like it's always been known that the, how important the left tackle position is. And with a guy like McKaylin, it is a very good athlete. Like the way that he moves for the size that he is, is extremely impressive. The way that he can get out of his set. I think it's just a learning curve. I mean, we know this and people will say, well, he was a red shirt freshman last year. Like he had that year. Some players, it takes more time. Uh, he came from down here in Bahia, Mississippi, not yep. playing like high level talent. Like it's a small school. He wasn't playing dudes that were going to go play college ball. So, I mean, I, I get it. it it's going to take time to develop and it'll be interesting to see what he looks like if he did take that step. Cause like I said, when I saw him, I, I, I could see shades of a player that had a lot of potential and, you know, now we get to see it in live action potentially in the next month or so, what it looks like on an actual football field against, you know, someone else in a different jersey. Talking with Christian Fowler at C Fowler BCM on X. Um, Pac-12, are they dead? Uh, we had the they had the board meeting today. Presidents and ads about the media rights deal. Um, there was no deal reached, and then Pete Thamel is reporting now from ESPN <laughs> that the primary deal that was presented to uh, these executives and ads was Apple on a streaming deal, and the deal would have incentivized tiers, which would give it strong upside if and only if. Certain subscription numbers are met. Uh, our, our guy from Giannato and Jeffrey, Jeffrey Wright, has pointed out this is the MLS deal, the MLS deal for the Pac-12. Are they dead? Like, are they dead? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, about as big of a oof as you can get. <laughs> uh, you're telling me our games are all going to be on Apple where people got to pay for them and pay for a subscription? Like, man, that is tough. And, and then they get, right, yeah, watch, uh, the uh, they get to go rewatch, they get to go rewatch, what is it, Ted Lasso? While they're, while they're yeah, on the app. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's tough. I mean, it's not a, it's in no way, shape, or form a good sign at all. Like, 
like you said, that is the MLS deal. Like Jeffrey's right, that's what that's what they're on, and we know that the MLS is, has nothing on college football. So the fact that a Power Five conference—that's the deal that they're they're getting presented—is an Apple Plus subscription deal for their <laughs> games. Like that's gotta be tough, especially with you talked about it last night. Like the elitist attitude that the Pac-12 yep. has had, and how they, you know, have kind of stuck their noses up at everything. And now it's like, maybe we should have had a little bit more foresight on this and, and try to uh, try to be agreeable when we could because this is down in the dumps. It's strange how cocky they were through the years because you could have seen yeah. this coming if you just paid attention because ultimately their, their conference struggled really badly. Like USC was down, so they really weren't getting the TV numbers they wanted for, for a while. Obviously, uh, they're, they're back up, but USC's ultimately headed to the Big Ten now. Right, yeah. and it's just I, I, it feels as if, and the Arizona noise is loud right this second, but it feels as if Arizona doesn't want to be the the one school that leaves that puts the death nail in the coffin for the Pac-12. But I guess the thought process here at this point is maybe if it's just not one, um, but if it's three at once, I think they'd be okay with making that decision, whether it's Utah and Arizona State or Washington or whatever it is. Arizona and two other schools leaving. Yeah, right. I was just looking at the odds. Someone posted the sports line odds for uh, for teams to go to the Big Twelve, and I think it was Arizona was like plus three hundred, and Arizona State was like plus four fifty, and those were the top two. So, Dang. yeah, it it, it it makes sense. Decent day. Hey, those are decent odds, though. I mean, my yeah. gosh, I might have to go. Where at sportsbook did you find this at? <laughs> Golly, I'm, was, plus three hundred for Arizona. I might have to throw some change on that. Yeah, it was it was Sportsline. Uh, just for Memphis reference, they were last on the list at plus two thousand. Oh. Um, oh, but yeah, we'll see what happens with the Pac-12. I would imagine more movement, and then ultimately, who knows? What do they do? Like, did they blow it up? Does everybody just move to a different conference? Who, who knows? But it doesn't look good at all. Like you said, USC and UCLA are gone. It just it's ugly. I, I know Oregon. Like, what do they do? Like, how would they stick around? Because they're really out, with everyone else gone. They're like still the big draw, and it's like, do we want to be a big draw in a conference that no one cares about, and they have to pay whatever X amount of dollars a month to watch our games? Like, can't see that happening either. And none of this is good for Memphis. Um, and and it does kind of there. It, it's demoralizing because, like, I think uh, once these moves happen, if they do happen, which I am, I would, I would bet on at this moment. Um, it feels like there's nothing really to reach for if you're the University of Memphis until, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens in the future here. But I, it feels like there's nothing to strive for at the given moment if all these Pac-12 teams defect to the Big Twelve. Yeah, would you like to hear? I, I got it pulled up now. This is the sports line odds for which school will be the next to accept an invite into the Big 12. Um, Arizona plus 300, Arizona State plus 400, Utah plus 600, UConn plus 700, Gonzaga plus 1200, San Diego yeah. State plus 1500, Memphis plus 2000. Yeah. San Diego State, UConn, and Gonzaga ahead. Yeah. Yep. That's frustrating. Yeah. No, it, and, and I, I mean, it has to be demoralizing. Because you've done nothing, uh, especially on the football side. Like, if you look at just all the metrics and numbers, I know the last two years haven't been great. But, like, Memphis is at the top over the last, what, eight years or so as far as, like, winning percentage, home wins. I'm not saying they're number one, but they're they're lumped in with some of the top schools when it comes to just overall winning percentage, uh, home wins in that time, bowl game, 
uh, consecutive bowl games. Like, they're up there in all of this. And then you look on the other side with the basketball program, Kenny with, you know, 20-plus win seasons every year of his career, uh, back-to-back tournament appearances, what they're bringing in this year with, you know, the tournament being, like, the bottom of the totem pole for this season's expectations. Like, it's like they're doing everything right athletically uh, on the athletic side of stuff. And then at the same time, uh, we're seeing more people overall. Memphis just had their biggest graduating class. Um, they're they're upgrading the school overall. They're upgrading athletic facilities overall. It's like they're doing everything, and they're still, like, zero traction. So it, it it is demoralizing. It has to be demoralizing when you're doing all this and you're doing all the right things, and it's like you still can't even get your foot in the door, it feels like. Yeah, and, and they get pretty good eyes, TV-wise, as, at least since 2014 in football. I mean, really in basketball as well. Like And – and I think also there's something to be said, and I know that ticket sales have gone down. I mean, when 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 you can fill out a pro arena for basketball, that should be impressive. That should that should uh, tell a bigger conference that damn, there is something to be grown here. Um, but I, I feel like, weirdly enough, in all of this, and Memphis is 51, the city of Memphis is 51 in TV markets. I feel like market size gets in the way. I feel like market size is such a big issue for a lot of these power conferences that sort of look, well, Big 12 namely, but look at Memphis. And and it's strange because they seem to get decent eyes compared to some of the maybe even bigger bigger markets, compared to like UConn, for example. But market size seems to play more of a factor than actual eyes on the games. It's about potential eyes, not actual eyes. Yeah, which is is a weird thing overall. We talked about this last night with Houston. Like, yeah, there might be a it might be a massive market. There might be a ton of TVs in Houston, and and they may see the quote unquote potential for eyes to be on that program. But it's like you're in a state that has Texas, Texas Tech, A and M, TCU, who just went to the national championship. Uh, it's like how how do you expect this saturated market to somehow move Houston up those ranks. It just, to me, to me, it doesn't make sense. Like, like you said with the bass, I mean, they're, they're filling up a pro arena. They're selling out a pro arena uh, for some games. We've seen uh, sellouts at the Memphis football stadium for, for multiple games and pretty much any game where they play a power five opponent, it's nearly full. And that's a 55,000 plus seat stadium. So it's just like, we talk about potential when it comes to TV markets, but how is the potential not understood and seen at Memphis? It, to me, it just doesn't make sense. I, I don't know if we're too close to the forest to see the trees or if we're biased or what, or if we just see it differently. I have no idea, but it's just like, it feels like us here in Memphis, like we see and understand the quote unquote potential that they're, that they're putting on all these other schools. And we just see more for Memphis. Like we talked about Cincinnati last night. Okay. I understand Cincinnati. Yeah. Cincinnati makes sense, mm-hmm. but like UCF and um, UCF and Houston and Colorado, which I get, they were already a power five school, but then you even look further, San Diego state, Boise state, Utah, some of these other schools, UConn. And it's just like, I just don't see it. You know, like I said, maybe we're too close. Maybe we're too biased. I have no idea, but I just see it way more with Memphis than those other schools. Now, last thing for you as Cowboys fans, since I brought this up last week, and I feel like I have uh, I have been told by Jerry Jones that that my thoughts on this were relatively correct. The Zach Martin thing, he was asked about Zach Martin in a contract situation, and he brought up Micah Parsons. Hey, he's going to have to make a whole lot of money. Zach Martin may not get his money, man. And that, I, I don't know what he ends up doing if, if that is the case. 
Yeah, I don't. I don't know either. And, you know, even with that, I still feel confident that somehow they work it out. Yeah. Like, okay. Zach Zach's one of those team dudes that's willing to do whatever it takes. And yes, he deserves to be compensated. And I'm sure they can figure something out to make it work. But especially legacy wise, and we talked about this as well. Like a guy that's that good, eight time Pro Bowler, six time All Pro, like six time First Team All Pro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. How do you how do how do you go sit out? How do you do that? You know, I mean, like you said, this is a guy that's <laughs> he's literally the best. I mean, he's the best guard in the league, arguably the best offensive lineman in the league, right there with Trent Williams. Uh, he's done pretty much everything. He's been nearly flawless. I was looking at this a couple of days ago in his career, which is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. He has missed six, eight games. Yeah, he's only missed eight games in his career, and he has. 20 penalties in his career. That's insane. 20 penalties. Um, I think that 16, 16 that were actually accepted. And he has six, seven holding penalties in his career. <laughs> Less than like, years played. Right? right. That's wild. Yeah. That you, is you insane. Can't, you can't, you can't let that not play. Like he has to be on the field, whatever you have to do to figure that out. You have to do it. Mm-hmm. You absolutely have to do it. This guy has more all pros, pro bowls, and years played than he does holding penalties. Yeah, like and, that just doesn't happen. And also, like if I'm the Cowboys, I'm just looking at this year and I look at the NFC and I say, Okay, it's Eagles, 49ers, and then us, right? Right. Like as far yeah, as like Super Bowl contenders, who who else is out there? The the Giants? Yeah. Are the Giants gonna make some run? Like who who really scared no one? I mean, Seahawks, I guess. Like there it doesn't seem like in the NFC there's really much out there. No, this is the first time in a long time, arguably over the last year and a half, two years, that the NFC's been wide open. You know, like there's, it's been so top heavy for so long. You know, there's every year it's like, man, there's six or seven teams in the NFC. You know, the Rams, the Bucks were there and they're gone, right? Yeah, forever. Like even going back further than that, when it was like the Giants and the and the Saints and and teams like that in the mid two thousand, in the mid twenty tens, where it was like. Okay, these teams can go every year. The 49ers have had their ups and downs, but it's just like there was always six or seven teams in the NFC where it felt like, okay, they could make a Super Bowl run this year. And, and this year, like you said, really it's Eagles, 49ers, and then the Cowboys are right there, you know, and they, they won't make it. We all know that. Like, that's just part of how it goes. Like, this is every season. <laughs> um, but it's, it's as wide open as it's ever been. And right. so how, how could you not put your best product on, on the field with an opportunity um, to beat your top three conference in the team, arguably going into the season? Like, you have to put everything in. Like, the window gets shorter every year. I know we talk about that quote-unquote window all the time and what is it, but you're about to have to drop bags left and right. Like, you yep. you, you got you to gotta get there while you can. Dak's co- contract's coming up at the end of when next now? year. Eligible for extension. Micah Parsons is going to get a bag. Like, win now. Focus on this year. Do what you can do to get guys on the field and play. Yep, I, th- I think that's fair. But you the man. Have fun this weekend. Yes, sir. You too. Yes, See sir. See you next week. That's Christian Fowler at C. Fowler BCM, Bluff City Media, senior writer and content creator. Also find our podcast. He's my co-host on the Bluff Pod, wherever you get them, Apple, Spotify, and also on YouTube. Now it's time for the Blitz. And Dan Lanning. A coach that used to be on the staff that I, I mean, I was on the team when he was the linebackers coach. He is now the head coach at Oregon, and he spoke up on Colorado leaving the uh, leaving the Pac-12, and it's a, it's a fun quote. 
Can't wait to get to it. On the other side, right here on 92.9 FM ESPN.